Retro Rebel Gamecast, episode 21, is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash Toggast. Over 180,000 titles to choose from from your iPhone, Android, or MP3 player. I developed a list recently. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics for your listening pleasure. Retro Rebel is released every week, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts from. If you'd like to check out more of our contact, you can follow us on Facebook at Temple of Geek. My name is Stacy, and joining me today, as usual, is my rebel friend, Amanda. How are you? I'm good. I was hungry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Unfortunately, Trey won't be able to join us today because he's on his deathbed. Not literally, but he doesn't feel well. Oh, no. Yeah. So we will miss him today, but he'll be back with us hopefully soon. So, Amanda, I hope you're not here to disappoint us again by not having played any video games this week. What have you been playing? No, no. I actually have done. So uh, for the first time in my life, I've played a Star Wars Lego game, or actually full stop, a Lego game at all. Ever? <laughs> um, ever, yeah, so first time. Um, games with Gold gave it us free last month, so I downloaded it, finally. It took forever to get it to actually download, because um, I noticed that these... Um, the backwards compatible games they give for free are kind of hit or miss whether or not they actually work the first couple of times that you want to download it, at least for me. Yeah. Um, but I've got the complete saga. Um, and after about 20 minutes just smashing up things and shooting people in the katina, I finally realized that I should probably go in door number one and then actually start the story. So <laughs> I'm like 10 minutes into the story. How long did you sit in the cantina, though? I mean, a good half an hour. Yeah. It was a solid half an hour. <laughs> yeah. I, I, what about yourself? I, what are you moving? Well, I'm I'm actually, you know, it's funny because I mentioned that last week that I downloaded that game and played it. And I didn't, I didn't want to say it, but I absolutely stayed in the cantina because I didn't know what I was doing. There were so many things <laughs> that you could pick up and you know, all the people you could destroy and you just kept collecting things. And I was like, well, maybe eventually something happens. Oh no. Oh no. The doors in the back corner, you know, and I think as you continue to go back into, uh, you know, earlier, uh, either earlier iterations of games or, uh, you know, <laughs> to the other consoles in the past, you realize that they don't hold your hand nearly as much as they do now. So, you know, they kind of expect you to figure things out. Um, there's a yeah, hard, harsh <laughs> learning curve. Yeah. Well, for me, I, I started playing uh, the fifth installment of The Walking Dead came out. Uh, so it's technically finished, or at least this particular game uh, is finished. Um, so I started to play it. I, I didn't get very far in it. I got far enough to, you know, for some spoilers to happen. Um you know, there's no spoilers. Oh no, no, no spoilers. But I, but uh, some some things took place very early in the episode that answer questions that were that were left at the end of episode four. So, so that was good, and it kind of you know was able to. 
hold me over until I can finish playing it and have time. They don't take very long, so but you do have to be able to sit down for an hour or two and uh, and finish a, a, one of the episodes. So so I played that, and then uh, I've also now that I'm you know as I mentioned last last episode, I'm able to actually uh, raid now in in World of Warcraft, so I can uh, I can do some of the in-game content, and I know the Tomb of Sargeras is coming out soon. And that's kind of the in-game stuff for this ex- expansion. And um, so I, I'm—I haven't gotten to that point yet, but I've done most of the raid and uh, all but one or two of the uh, of the dungeons. So uh, I'm, I'm up on the lore. I'm up on the story, and and uh, and and that's kind of—that's still actually why I play it. I have a guild that that has I think 200 people in it, and no one logs on. So it's not uh-huh. like I'm in a guild. So. Yeah. At least you know the lore because you started speaking a foreign language there for a hot minute. So <laughs> I could have made all so, of that up and you'd have no idea. Yeah, I would have no idea. Like, yes, yes, the tomb of Zythantis or whatever. Tomb of Zythantis, exactly. That is you. <laughs> Custom man right. in the comments. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, I used to play, right? Yeah, exactly. Time for, ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> all right, so... That's what we've been playing. Topic one, and probably one of um, my favorite topics, but uh, we'll, it remains to be seen how this goes. But I'd like to discuss role-playing games. What makes a good role-playing game, and then go into you know what is your favorite role-playing game and why. You know what is it something about the mechanic? Is it about the characters? You know what is it about that kind of hooked you into that one? So for you, Amanda, first, what makes a good role-playing game? Um, I think number one, you've got to be able to customize your character. Uh, I generally enjoy a game a lot less if I didn't make the character look like I want it to look like. Um, the, uh, one weird exception would be the Witcher because he just kind of is cool looking anyway. And I don't feel like I could make him look much better. Anywho. Um, but I definitely would have liked the choice to be a female Witcher. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm I'm not a dude. Um, So I feel like being able to choose the gender, being able to, like, customize it um, is important to me and is kind of, like, step one. Step two is there are dialogue choices and they have an impact on things. Um, The more the the better, really, for me. Uh, I like lots of different options. Um, but I also do like to be able to make a selection quickly. So I don't necessarily want to have to read all the dialogue choices. I kind of do like the way that, let's say, the new Mass Effect, for example, and Mass Effects before then are a good example of this, where it was pretty easy to choose a path and stick to the path. Yeah. And then you're kind of watching a more cinematic experience. If you're having to read every single selection to make the right choice for your character. I don't know, it's it's not as much fun because I don't want to read things my character wouldn't say because now I'm thinking about those things. Yeah. That's just me, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I can uh, understand that. So there's that. Um, and then I want, I want there to be actual consequences for not doing a thing or not making a choice. I always feel cheated when you get to the end and everybody has, like, the same ending. I'm like, right. what is this? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
Um, oh, I didn't save them. What are they doing here? You know, all that sort of stuff. Um, and I, I think, um, I think Dragon Age is pretty good about that. I think Mass Effect is pretty good about that. I think The Witcher is all right about that. But even so, to a certain extent, everybody gets almost the same ending. Not, not right. Crazy. <laughs> um, so I would say everybody getting a different ending. It doesn't have to be crazy different, but like a, a relatively different ending is important to me. That's the everything else, whether it's a shooter or a hack and slash or magic or whatever. None of that matters to me. Okay. Okay. But so could a game like Baldur's Gate be considered, in your opinion, a, a role playing game? I mean, it would help if I knew that was. <laughs> Oh, so shame, 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 shame. Yeah, I get blasted in the comments. Exactly. Like, who is this casual? Exactly, yeah. noob. Um, Baldur's Gate, I, I think old school, um, I think it's old school Dun Dungeons and Dragons. I'll probably get ripped for that too. But um, there there were two that came out on the consoles, and I know that it, it began on the on the PC. It's a, it, was a, it was a hack and slash just like Diablo. Dungeon Crawler, I mean, it's right. mindless for the most part. But what made See, it... I don't find Diablo a RPG. That is not an RPG. There's, like, you don't make choices. You just go through stages. That's... Okay. Yeah, that's okay. Different. In my opinion, yeah. it is not. And so, and that's kind of what I was getting at, is in, in Diablo or Baldur's Gate, really what you get to do is choose your character you get to choose your class but after that um most of the things are the same so the only difference is is based on who you pick um your gameplay is going to be different it's completely different based on who you pick but the overall game the overall ending everything else is the same for the most part yeah and i'll be honest with things like diablo you don't really pick your, your character that much you know what i mean like yeah everybody who picks uh paladin looks like a paladin you know what i mean like the right. armor everything looks exactly the same you know but there are yeah. like maybe a hundred million opportunities to diversify your armor in diablo i mean you'll get different armor you get so much armor that you don't know what to do with it all um and you're so i'm just saying <laughs> that you're gonna end up like a, a big burly norse woman with you know, you know what I mean? If you know what I mean? They all the thing. Yeah. You know, if you're a paladin, you definitely don't look like a, a witch. You know what I mean? Right, right. That's what I mean. Right. And and I would I would classify those as RPGs in, in my more loose definition, only because you do get to pick you get to pick your class, you get to pick your gender now, especially Diablo three. Um and there's so much there's so much you can do to um to make your particular character unique in terms of the armor and the setup and the statistics that you can choose to and and the way and the powers that you can choose over other powers. Um, yeah, but you ain't gonna change the game. You don't have any choices. You don't no oh, choice. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree completely. But I think that also will when we get to the second half of this question. I think that will that will be explained further <laughs> by my choices. So um, why I would consider that and maybe why you would not. Um. So, anything else? What are any other characteristics about a, an RPG that you think are necessary to 
you know, now that we kind of eliminated what's not, is there anything else that would make a game an RPG in your opinion? Um, no, because I, I mean, I don't think necessarily having a multiplayer is a requirement. Uh, I don't think ha- having like a a class system or a l- complex leveling up system or a crafting system or anything like that particularly makes anything an RPG. I think if I was going to be really really simple, it would be some sort of character customization, uh, dialogue choices. And the ability to impact the ending. Right. Okay. I like it. That's pretty straightforward. Um, for me, like I said, and this will this will be I think explain explain better once I I go back to like where RPGs began for me. But I think that you know everything that you said, dialogue choices are definitely important. Um, those choices having an actual impact are important. Uh, otherwise, I mean, but they, they didn't always, um, having the choices, first of all, was nice. Them actually having an, an effect on the story is way better. And, and, uh, you know, now we can't imagine it being any other way. Um, but some, you know, your character customization, um, to me, being able to kind of step into the character as much as possible, so you could, there's a, there's a there's history of the world, uh, like you, you there's lore, you know, like with the Witcher, you know, there's there what what are the Witchers and what is the history of that world, and so you kind of know the different factions, you know where the Witcher fits into the world, so you can kind of assume nerd. <laughs> well, that's the whole point of a role-playing game, you know, is that you get to be somebody else. like reading a book in a lot of ways. You have a character who's your avatar, and you, you know, you go through the story. Um, so, you know, I, I think I think all those things are important. Um, for me, I think that the one thing or the one characteristic to me that, that most... I think defines our role-playing games is your ability to control your character, like everything, every aspect of it, you know, the size, the height, the gender, your appearance. Um, and I, and, and I would draw the line at things like on gears of war where you can change your skin or you can just pick like a, I didn't mean it literally. You can change, uh, you know, just, you I was be, like, I didn't see that option. You can change <laughs> your, you can, know, you can be locust, or you can be, uh, you know, the a, a cog, or you can, you know, be, you can be one of the characters. But, but changing those things doesn't have any effect on the character. Like it doesn't have any effect on your game. It's like you're either part of one faction or the other. It's not changing anything. I don't think that that's necessarily a, a role playing game component. Um, but in a game like, I would even say Diablo. Uh, I would say. Um, Diablo is probably the bare bones, you know, version of, of this, where you, you want to be a demon hunter. There is a backstory to demon hunter. There's a particular, the only, the only thing that I think you're, you lack there is your interaction with the world. Now, if you listen to the dialogue of the demon hunter and people that they talk to, or the paladin and people that they talk to, their responses are different. And in Diablo three, you get different followers, and you get different followers kind of based on you and based on your behavior and the things that you say and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So 
Um, you can choose to kind of cultivate those relationships. If that's not the style of character that you want to play, then you cultivate other relationships and make those characters and those relationships better, and then you can take those people out. That's your companion character. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. But, no, I get it. Yeah, so if that fits more with your play style, then you can, you know, you, you continue the dialogue with those people. Now, you don't you don't even have to read it. You just keep selecting the dialogue with them. But nonetheless, yes. if you wanted to, you could, and it would give more to the story. So, But you know what? I'm going to throw up a criticism, I guess, is that <laughs> if, you're, if you're trying to get an achievement or anything like that, yeah, it forces you to have interactions that you, the player, don't give a toss about. True. Um, and uh, Diablo is like the best example. I found uh, one of the characters, the one who had the sister... Uh, super annoying, and I hated every time I had to talk to her, but I wanted the achievement <laughs> for talking to all of them. Um, and that's sort of the thing. I feel like whenever a sheep herder comes up to you and said, oh, you have lost all my sheep, and you're like, I will help you get them. You don't really have a choice to say, you know, jog on, because if you're trying to get an achievement for it, jog on doesn't count. You know, and I feel like yeah. it should because you've found the interaction and you've made a decision, whether it's a good decision or a bad decision. I feel like all that stuff should count, but that's my like personal opinion. You're like, suck it, Shepard. You can go find your own sheep. Exactly. I feel like it should have consequences later on, but I feel like that's still a valid decision because I hate those sort of quests, just generally speaking, man. Ugh. Yeah, and the only reason that you would do it is because of, the only reason I would do it is experience. You know, you don't. I wouldn't do it for any other reason. Um, yeah. But I'm not a completionist, so could be my uh, could be could say something more about my character, but I just don't care to do that. So <laughs> it's a, it's a difference. Um, but that's another story. So okay. Well, with that said. What got you into role playing games? Like, what, where, where did you, where was your origin for role playing games? Where did it start? Where, where was the birthplace for it for you? Um, I, th I think the first true RPG I ever played was probably Kotor. Two. Nice. Okay, you're spoiled then. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the first one. So unfortunately, that also means the bar is super, super high. Even things like um, Star Wars Force Awakened or whatever, they yeah. just, they're not RPGs in my opinion because they're missing the customization and they're missing the dialogue options and they're missing the ability to impact the ending and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like, nope. Yeah. No county. So, yeah, that, that was my first one, which, of course, impacts, you know, my opinion on all of them as well, to a certain extent, because I kind of started with one of the better ones. Well, you um, did, yeah. Whoops. So, no, what about you? Well, and that's what I, I think that explains a lot about our opinions of role-playing games to begin with. You you started with so with with a classic, one of the greatest of all time. And I started with Final Fantasy on the NES. Um, yeah. And so, and Final Fantasy on the NES blew my mind in, in, in terms of, like, what a game could be. Um, it was the first time, and, and, and it loosely defines what a role-playing game is, because you really, there's dialogue, but 
you're on a track. I mean, like you, you can't deviate from the, from the story, you know? Um, right. but what you can do is you could just go grind out in the wilderness if you wanted to, Ooh, fun. which is you, which believe it or not is something I kind of enjoyed doing it at first. You thought of it as this is part of the game. Like you had to. And so I didn't really think of it as a negative. I always framed it positively because I thought it was something you had to do. Now it's definitely a pain in the ass, and you—you—I'd much rather they be. Tricked you. They did trick me. I'd rather you trick me into doing this, but make it fun. However, you can do that is much better. But that's where I started, and so there weren't dialogue choices. You did have a party, um, and you did have—you could select them. You could—you had freedom of your equipment, so you could, you know, kind of equip your party as you saw fit however it suited you best um and and your play style so if you wanted like three ninjas you could have three ninjas in your party um and who didn't want ninjas in their party so um so that's where it started but so i got to see it kind of evolve from there on the consoles at least and and was kind of attracted to whatever game was like that uh and i guess it wasn't until i played knights of the old republic that well that's not true it, i played a game on the on the sega cd that anybody that's ever played the sega cd knows that it that it had about you know a handful of games that were even worth mentioning but one of the games that i really liked it's my favorite game on that console and one of my favorite games of all time i wrote an article i think it got uh somehow when our site went down it, it was lost uh on uh, temple of geek but in that article we i wrote about um the oh now words exact words well i had it i had it uh it is dark wizard yep there we go dark wizard on sega cd i don't know if it was called anything else in japan um but it was anime style and it was also um uh i don't know if you played one of the like ogre tactics or final fantasy tactics or anything like that I'm you... sorry, Ogre Tactics? What is that? <laughs> it was on uh, Super Nintendo, I believe, maybe Nintendo 64. Um, and it was another game where you had, let's say you had five, ten different ty- enemy types or ty- army types. So you had a wizard and a whatever else. Um, you had so much... Um, you were able to, to you had let's say you had a finite amount of resources and you could use those resources to hire certain armies, but certain armies cost okay. a certain amount and so you could only have so many wizards, you could only have so many ogres, you could only have so many whatever. Um, and based on what you selected, that's how many army members you have. You could have a really powerful army, or you could have a whole bunch of smaller, you know, army people. Like little dudes. Yeah, yeah little dudes. So. And Final Fantasy Tactics was kind of like that. But anyway, with Dark Wizards, you had these hexagons. And so you could pull out one of your members and put them on. It's like tabletop gaming in a lot of ways on a console. Um, And the story was you you could pick from four different characters, and each one of them had a particular angle, but all of them were working towards uh, the end goal. But the end goal was different based on who you selected. So the ending would be different. You had four different endings. Um. And over the course, you would go from castle to castle, and you would take your army from castle to castle. And um, it, as they as they would attack, each one of them would only level up if they were the one that attacked. 
And if they attacked and leveled up, then they would adapt or evolve. So say, you you know, based on the character you selected, you would have a particular type of enemy type. So my one of my favorite characters was a, uh, was a vampire. There was a vampire, right. there was a Valkyrie, there was a mage, and there was some a warrior, I think. And the <clears throat> the vampire had like gargoyles and a bunch of other monsters. The um, the Valkyrie had griffins, and uh, you know your human characters could be you could pick a dwarf or a halfling or whatever else. And halflings were better at one thing. Dwarves were better at another thing. But you could evolve them. Sounds almost like Magic the Gathering deck building with some other stuff. Like but it was on a console. In. It was on a console. <clears throat> and the music was really good. And, the, and uh, the gameplay was a little bit slow. Obviously, there's so much that went into it. But um, you could evolve it. Uh, you could evolve your characters. If you had a griffin, it could change into another type of griffin. As they, but they only did if they got experience. Um, and so right. that so made you... Use them, then... Right. If you didn't use them, then they'd be weak. And so you would have to really strategically place your armies so that they didn't get killed. Because if they got killed, they didn't get any more either. Um, they didn't get any experience. And so it, that part of it was fun. As you went through each one of the castles and you and you took over the castles, um, there would be towns that you could go into and you could talk to people. Um, and there was a bit of role playing in that or that you could dialogue choices. You could search out certain people if you went at night. Certain people would be there that wouldn't be there during the day. And like I said, it was a very anime-style art. Um, and I enjoyed it. It's, like I said, it's one of my favorite games. Um, and that, that kind of introduced me into a, a bigger world of what... That was, a, a, I guess, where the mechanics changed a bit. And then... Uh, then I played, you know, in the early 2000s, I played KOTOR. And KOTOR it became the standard. If you don't do those things in your role-playing game then it's it's not anymore you know it's like you can't go backwards really from there you got to have some kind of dialogue some kind of decision making that actually has an effect you know so well that topic did was elder to scrolls oh go ahead go ahead oh, i, don't I was just thinking did, El did elder scrolls come before kotor was it the other way around because i can't remember i think they came out um it came out after, if I'm not mistaken, because I'm trying to go through the timeline in my head and and uh, <laughs> if I'm and and I, there are like little there are staples in my life that happened and one of the staples was when I got Kotor on the Xbone no not Xbone it was on the original Xbox, um, on the original Xbox, uh, it was in 2001 ish. 2000, 2001, it was right at the end of its life, I think. And um, I didn't get uh, I didn't get Elder Scrolls or Morrowind until after that because I was married before and I was divorced after. So I remember telling you were the two, no correlation to why either one of those <laughs> You started playing Coach 4 and neither of them liked it. <laughs> neither of them liked it, exactly. <laughs> no correlation. Well, that topic is brought to you by our sponsor, Audible.com. Audible is offering a free audiobook download for you, the listeners of the Retro Rebel Gamecast, with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Amanda, what is our recommendation this week? 
our recommendation today is a built down the self-help sort of territory. It is called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a What? Oh, and yeah. it's a counterintuitive approach to living a good life. And it's from a blogger who talks about um, if you just stop trying to be positive all the time, you can actually become uh, better and happier. So yeah. it sounds like an asshole. interesting read. Yeah. Just, I mean, you know, just not giving any Fs. Beep. Yeah, I saw that book. Uh, I've actually thought I thought about I thought about getting that one. If that one was one of my free token, I, I might I might actually get it. Uh, for me, I I finished the Illidan book, and then I also got the um, Tides. Oh, I'll tell you exactly what it's called because I just I just started it um, about a week ago. It is called. Tides of War. It's the Jaina Proudmore story. Uh, it's a story of what happened to Theramore. Again, I'm speaking another language probably to Amanda. But if you're dork, dork if you're if you're into the uh, Warcraft books uh, or any of the lore, uh, it's another really good one. Illidan book was uh, five stars. It's it's uh, it was a it was a great book, and this one's good as well. So. Well, if you like those recommendations, you can head over to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast to get that free title now, or you can choose from over 180,000 other titles today. Support us by heading to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast and get your free 30-day trial started today. All right, topic number two, RPGs. Where do you see them? So RPGs. Just, RPGs. We are not talking about grenades. We are talking about role-playing games. And the direction, you know, the next level, like where, where do you see the genre? You know, we, we talked about, you know, some of the tropes of the, you know, what makes an RPG. Well, so let's start by, you know, we, we want to talk about where it's going, but what are some of the tropes that are just the worst? You know, what are some of the worst tropes for RPGs, in your opinion? The, oh, I lost five sheep and you need to help me go find them inevitable farmer guy like right. i just i don't want to i i'm a big <laughs> and powerful so-and-so and i don't have time to be worried about where your bloody sheep are mate like you know what i mean it <laughs> yes. just doesn't fit it we don't just have time for your fit, bloody so. sheep exactly yeah. but just any sort of like weird fetch quest search quest sort of thing that has nothing to do with what you would be doing um, differently speaking. And even though there are some of these, if it's relevant to the character, I don't mind it. So yeah. like, for example, if it was fable and it had to do with going and collecting taxes in the city that you owned, this wasn't a quest, but if it had been a quest, that would have made sense. No, instead they made you go and kick chickens and stuff, which was, fun. but yeah, look, Kicking chickens is what it is. But <laughs> I would say, you know, the all-powerful savior of the universe, at a certain point, you, you shouldn't have to go on chicken duty anymore. It's a good point. But that's that just is, me. That is a good point. <laughs> no more chicken duty for the savior of the universe. I agree. Um, fetch quests are the worst. Um, arbitrary uh, farming quests are the worst. Um, I think Warcraft did a good job of... of uh, kind of building lore into the characters early on they don't it's not so much anymore 
but like I played, I played a shaman. I actually, I apparently, I like shaman so much. I played a horde in a an alliance version, and got, uh, you know, you you had to work through all of your totems. So each one of your totems, you had to go earn your totem. So for all of the elements, and all of that made sense because it was a part of the character, and shaman are very much in tune with the elements, and so that made sense. With the with the warlock, there was some difficult quests where you actually had to go you know get your get your demons like you had to go find and there was a fetch quest more or less for each demon but it was more than a fetch quest it was a part of the lore and the background of the character so it it built on to that character and you had to go like across the 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 land to get to this place you know maybe even to Kalimdor or wherever you had to go to get it um but it was it was just much more involved but all of it tied to a bigger picture and a story and and I liked that about it but fetch quests are, are and and uh, farming quests are definitely um, the worst because it's just it's just time you know it's just it's it's falsely uh, stretching out how long something should possibly take you know and it's and there and you're not getting anything necessarily for it I think another thing that um, you know and a lot of the f- fee to play as Jim Sterling would say or um, <laughs> Uh, games where where you're asked to come back like you can only do so much and then you come back the next day uh, and these would be oh yeah oh i hate those yeah and you know and so it's like you've you've run out of whatever you got to come back in 12 hours well again falsely i don't stretch it it. yeah exactly and and stuff like that i'm like well i don't i don't need that that much (laughs) if it's not if it's not you know imperative if it's not something that you you have to have to to finish the game then i'm not interested in 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 doing that but yeah that's those are definitely the worst um and i'm sure there's some other characteristics of 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 games um you know I'm, i'm trying to think of anything from uh i i actually don't mind um areas that where they don't tell you that are or maybe a higher level than you are, so you may wander into to a dangerous area. Um, you couldn't do it so much in KOTOR, but, you, I mean, I guess you could go visit a planet you weren't supposed to be at yet. Um, what about, what, what's your opinion on, on, on quests where they give you, but they don't give you, ne- they don't hold your hand necessarily on where you're supposed to go next. What's your opinion on, on that? Like how, how should a role-playing game actually go into directing the player? Uh, I don't mind not having my hand held. And to be honest, like if they just give me like an open box and they're like, right, go do some things. And then once you found a piece of it, it triggers the quest. I like that more than yeah. people with little arrows over their head, like, oh, go talk to this person. Yeah. I would say that what I find bizarrely annoying is, um, and Elder Scrolls and all these sort of games are the worst for it, is you'll somehow stumble onto the end goal of a quest. Right. And you'll do that, and then you'll find the NPC at some point later on. And they'll be like, go and fetch me the bone of Hathor. And you'll be like, I have it right here. And they're like, cheers you know like (laughs) it's very anticlimactic i feel like they haven't um they haven't found a delicate way of dealing with that i think the best way to deal with it is is that if you find something 
and you don't know what it is, you should have to like read books or go and talk to somebody who can appraise it or whatever. And then that takes you through to the contact. Yeah. Because it's weird that you suddenly know what this thing is and exactly who would want it. You know, I found this by the way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a bit strange. I think another thing that, annoys me just in generally is that in rpg games the like ridiculous fade to black so like most of these games are ma anyway you know what i mean right right. Like, like what is this fade to black business like i've just blasted the heads off of everything in the universe but you know seeing a bit of boob too much it's too, too much, much. <laughs> it's too much just saying it's it seems a bit weird yeah, double standard. I guess it depends on what what you feel necessary to censor. Um, maybe they don't render boobs as well. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just <laughs> it's easier to render a head getting chopped off. I don't know. I don't know, but I, all I can say is TV fourteen rating. I can see some pretty scary shit. You know, and you, you, you have. Uh, I don't a, even- You've got a, a skewed view of things being over in, in a more liberal area of the world. Because um, Game of Thrones is pretty rough, and I think it's only like TV 14. Over there, it probably is. Over there, they probably show it to babies. But here, it's <laughs> it's, uh, it's adults only. It's very mature. Um, well, I don't know how mature it is, but it definitely has, uh, quote, mature themes. So, yeah. You're... Uh, it's okay. Well, that, I, I definitely see that. So, f- from that from that standpoint or that view, where do you think the next level of RPGs is going to be? Like, what do you think is the next step for RPGs? And it doesn't have to be like the end game, but just from where they are right now, where do you think, you know, they're going to go next? Um. Well, I would say, given the success of Pokemon Go and things like that, I'd like to see an RPG that is more augmented reality. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of next level. And, and I think it would be cool, especially something that they never really did with Pokemon Go that I always hope they would do is when you put your phone up and it recognized that someone else was playing like around you, it would skin them as the character that they were playing. That would be Bala. Like I would really enjoy that. And I think <laughs> it would be cool. Yeah. Um, and, it's got to be possible. I mean, surely everyone's kind of a relative height and whatnot. And, you know, can't be that hard. Right. Surely. Um, well. So something augmented reality that's also an RPG, I think, would be pretty damn cool. Um, also something that, like, truly earns its rated infrastructure like, label. Because, you know, let's just be honest, gratuitous violence is only half of the coin. You know? right, and and right. I need... <laughs> I need to bone the universe, you know. I'm I'm on a slow journey. It's not going to but... bone itself, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I have to say, I, I feel like the closest we got was riding the Iron Bull. Is that sad? Because that was like very tame in comparison to what you could watch on American Gods or Game of Thrones or whatever, you know. Very true. Very true. Um, I paid my I... money. <laughs> And I don't know if it's just because they feel like that won't sell as well um, or, you know, or whatever. I don't know. Um, may, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is for anything like that. Um, 
but I, I definitely I see that in the future. You know, it's it's not like it hasn't been a part of games, mature themes like that. Unfortunately, a lot of times that was the gimmick. You know, the gimmick was this is a game that shows boobs, or this is a game that has you know some sort of adult theme in it, and that is really what they're selling this particular game for. You know. Yeah, uh, I feel like. If it wasn't a gimmick, it would be better because like life isn't that gimmicky. You know what I mean? I feel right. like I feel like they could do it properly. They wouldn't have to like overdo it. You know what I mean? Like right. you could really limit the characters if you really thought it out and planned everything out. And I also feel like when with these sort of games, it's like a roller coaster where you're like riding up the slope, 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 slope. And then you get a fade to back scene and then they don't want to talk to you again for the rest of the game. And it's over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, I think in that, in, in situations like that, you know what you did, you know what you did. That's why they won't talk to you anymore. <laughs> no, but I mean, but they do. You talk can't even to you, look but at each like... other. That's the, that's the problem. You can't even look at each other. <laughs> No, but like it's like oh we're we're just dating now, and I'm like dating is a lot more boring than the rest of it was. Cheers, mate. <laughs> yeah, you're, and you're like God, this is way too realistic. You know it's, why can't it's bloody real? Yeah, that's that's not why I played this game was for a real relationship. I wanted it to be more fantastical. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see that. Um, I think an augmented reality uh, RPG would be epic i think um i think of vr um i think maybe we even mentioned this at some point i have to go back and listen but something along the lines of uh ready player one um have you read have you read that book i know it was one of our recommendations uh weeks and weeks no you talked about it and it sounded super cool but then i remembered that i'm super busy (laughs) well then i remembered no uh, <laughs> and then I remember I don't care. I, no, I'm I just kidding. Exactly. I, do, like, I do care. I'm just super busy. Well, Ready Player One is a book, and they're making it into a movie, and so you'll eventually get to see it. The movie I will watch. Exactly. I have time for that. Um, or you could listen to the book if you had time. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know, on the train or whatever you do in that country. But they the the, uh, <laughs> the idea is. Uh, for that particular book, um, you you kind of plug into the Matrix in a way. I mean, you are in a VR situation. He's in a class. So, like, you go to class in virtual reality. And you've got, like, a you have, like, whatever your name is over your head. And you, you've decked yourself out however you see yourself or however you want to, really. Uh, because it's your version of you in this virtual world. Um, and... Pretty much everyone in the world is plugged in. And so from there in this virtual world, the whole the the idea is the guy that invented that virtual world hid something like a golden ticket. And you, you know, you you join up in clans or whatever else to go find it. And you can adventure and go find it. You have your virtual weapons and whatever else. And so um but the idea is it's it's a lot like what the MMOs are now, only it's a step further in its virtual reality. So you took it from the PC and you sitting alone to now it's you are the avatar. You are, you know, going to all of these places, at least 
virtually, but it's more than you just sitting in a chair. You know, um, you're much more interactive into the world, um, and it's much more involved. Uh, I could definitely see that on a much smaller level, uh, probably not that involved in the near future. Uh, but I could see, and I, you know, I haven't personally played much, uh, VR outside of just putting on the goggles and looking around. <clears throat> so I don't have a, I don't have an opinion necessarily one way or the other. I've heard, and I know for a fact that the older you get, the more difficult it is for you to really play VR for a long period of time. Um, and I, I imagine that, you know, you and I probably wouldn't have an issue, um, but 30, 40 minutes of playing might be all you could really do, maybe an hour of playing, whereas you could play these other games much longer. So I don't know if that would be a limitation, but that I do th see that as a direction that RPGs are going to go, as more of a augmented or a virtual reality uh, where the, the entire gaming experience is a much more involved experience. But I like want it to have like real stakes. I think that's the only thing that so separates. So you could die if you die in game. You die in no, life. not like no, no, no. But usually, usually people uh, they talk with their wallet, don't they? Uh -huh. So you know, some something that combines like real stakes when you go out and fight in the world and encounter other people and encounter monsters and things like that. You know, I think the only thing that perhaps these sort of games haven't explored is like you spend your money to buy stuff in the game. Yeah. yeah and that's yeah. it. You don't ever get anything back from that. There's no chance that you'll get anything back from that. You know what I mean? You could be yeah. as good as you want. And aside from playing esports, that's pretty much it. You just consider that an investment in your wasted time. <laughs> um, and, and I really see, I see something, you know, with kind of like a Google glass style interface where it's very much augmented reality and it's, you know, kind of low key like in that, People don't see hordes of people like finger banging their phone and you know they're playing Pokemon Go. You know what I mean? But it's right. like very low key where, you know, you're just sitting at a bus stop or whatever and you look over and there's like a level 21 warlock or whatever. And you're just sitting there waiting for the train very casually engaging in a battle with some other dude who's like, you know, same level as you or whatever. And, you know, things have a real cost and a real benefit. So you could get, you know, X amount of real Bitcoin or whatever yeah. out of the scenario that I think would be next level. That's not going to happen anytime soon, but it'd be bloody amazing. That would be pretty cool. Um, then I, then I might have to quit my day job and just wander around and look for warlocks <laughs> in bus stations. You're just like, <laughs> yeah, you're just like, uh, Kung Fu, this, you know, the, the legend and you're wandering the countryside as a, as a warlock. Would for real happen though? You know it bloody would. Because oh, when yeah. Pokemon up and somebody quit their job to catch them all, I'm like, oh my god, because oh, yeah. they were flipping the accounts, weren't they? They were selling them for like, you know, I mean something that isn't like the underground economy, something that's like literally part of the game mechanic. Right, right. No, I definitely yeah. could. I could see that. Yeah, that would be, and that would be amazing. And I would totally do that. If that, I wouldn't quit my job. But I would play. I'd, you know, yeah, that would be fun. That'd be Depends good. how good you got. You know, could you imagine if, like, every time you walk by, the earth quaked because you're, like, a level 100-something, something or other. And that would be awesome. Or everyone else, you know, they're, they would yeah. quake, you know, because you are.
you Especially are who you are. Especially if you actually run away to get away from combat, that would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Kids running from you. See, the problem would be, that's the problem, though. You would have, a, a you know, a 12 or 14-year-old kid who is the level 100, and everyone else who can't play it as often as that kid is, you know, God, noob, you know, you barely have a, yeah, you would have to run. Your Google glasses just shake off your head. Whatever, we have money. That's the one thing that we have over those little kids that are That's better it. than us. <laughs> we we have Google glasses. That's we cool. have Google glasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's sad. You can't play our game. Yeah. Well, final thoughts. RPGs. Well, you know, I guess uh, to to end this, I'd like to know what your what's your favorite RPG of all time. What would you say your favorite role playing game would be if you had to pick if you had to pick one? Dragon Age Origins. I think it showed me what I wanted an RPG to be, and yeah. it was the first kind of of its kind where I was like, "Yep, this is everything I want in an RPG. Everything." I'm tempted to say uh, Final Fantasy, but I'm I can't just because of the Dark. reason you just well just because of the reason you listed. So it would be uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Um, it was because of how much I love Star Wars, and uh, you get an opportunity to be the most powerful Jedi or Sith that you want to be. The fact that I could go into a room and I never even had to take my lightsaber out. Um, and or use a lightsaber, and then in the by in game, I'd never use my lightsaber. Um, I also was pretty evil though, so um, and I could force lightning a whole room and kill the whole room, or I could just steal life from individuals and and never have to leave. Yeah, I, I realize that's a little bit morbid, but the whole point is that it showed me that there was much more to uh to role playing games and and uh and kind of the the direction that redefined how i imagine them being so well that wraps up this episode of retro rebel gamecast i want to thank amanda for joining me on this week's discussion all the notes from this week's episode will be posted on our site templeofgeek.com if you'd like to see more from us you can always support us on patreon at patreon slash temple of geek any questions or comments feel free to email us at retro rebel at temple of geek.com and head over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts and rate our show because that really helps us. We will see you next time. See you.